Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colt Molesky. And as every single week when we're getting you ready for a football-filled weekend, I'm here with Corey DLG and producer Nico. Boys, we've got an interesting matchup. I was going over the stats, an interesting matchup with the Tennessee Titans ahead. But before we get to that matchup, our picks, all that good stuff, how y'all doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I was watching this Thursday night football game, and uh, all of a sudden Coach Harbaugh remembered how to kick field goals. I was shocked. I was shocked and appalled, I say. 
Um, it's like you remember he had the best kicker in the game. Uh, you know what blows my mind is I almost feel like the announcers are telling you that they have the best kicker in the game because they're hoping it trickles down to him so that he remembers to kick it more. Because uh, even in this game, the Baltimore-Tampa Bay game, Coach Harbaugh in the early in the second quarter had an opportunity to make it. It was 3-10. They were down 7, and they're 10 yards away from the end zone, and they find themselves in a fourth down situation, and they instead go for it. They don't score, um, and they wind up giving the ball back to Tampa Bay in a, in a dumb situation, and, and it's still a seven-point game. I don't understand what the aversion is to taking points early so that you're close late. Now, I know they wound up winning the game, and I know they wound up taking a lead big late third quarter, but coming into that part, they were they were down seven, and they're acting like points are a bad thing. I don't understand this. I think it's the analytics stuff, where the analytics is telling you to go for it, go for it, go for it, and if you listen, if you listen to analytics, the it's based off a model that is throughout the seasons, right? So if it's successful, but that's if you go for it every single time throughout an entire season. So you've got to go for it every time, but then when you go for it every time after a couple of weeks, then one time you, you do it and it's a weird situation. Another time you do it, maybe it costs you a game, and all of a sudden you're taking heat from it in the media. Then you don't want to go for it, so now you're switching back, and you're kind of going back and forth. And analytics is one of those things where it really has to be kind of situational meets uh analytical smarts right where it has to be a little bit of both i don't think it can be one or the other uh but i i think every once in a while and harbaugh is a good coach he's he's a good coach but every once in a while it kind of feels like maybe analytics gets in their head and then like it backfires a little bit and so then you go you go the other way a little bit i don't know it it does feel like sometimes the analytics and those analytic models can play a bigger role than maybe you think in a coach's decision-making on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, I know it is the analytic call sheet that they're going off of. I just somewhere like the confidence used to prevail, but now we're really in a situation where I, I feel like there's four or five coaches who are listening to analytics completely over any kind of uh, input from, from logic. Um, what was it? Where was the game? Nico that I was complaining about two weeks ago where they wind up winning by the one point because the other team won't take the extra point. It was the Raiders and someone else. Oh man. I can't, I can't remember the game you were talking about. Let me get in. But both teams went for two at the end of the game. One team, if they'd have gone for one, they would have been up eight. Instead they went for two, didn't make it. So they, they're up seven. The other team scores a touchdown. And instead of taking the tie, by kicking the extra point, they go for two to try and steal the win. Which, by the way, still time on the clock. But instead, uh, they miss it, so they lose by one point. And all of a sudden, you're left. You're just looking at. You're looking at the TV, going, "Did both teams just refuse the kick?" I think it was Kansas City in maybe uh, Las Vegas, if I remember right. Now that I'm thinking about it, and listen. Do I, does Andy Reid need me to tell him how to win games? No. No, he does not. But when did we become the – I mean, eight points is eight points. I mean, the NFL, the way scoring increments work, eight points is the hardest to get. So up eight is great. Up nine, okay, I get it. Like, that's a two-score lead. But it's hard to do – like, 
I just don't understand the logic. I feel like analytics too is a little like it's a little like blackjack where you kind of have to decide early on in your night. Like if you're if you're sh- if you're dealt twelve against a showing and the, and the dealer has two uh, showing, I, I, you kind of have to decide early on whether you're gonna go go for that or bank on a bust. Like I feel like with the analytics, you kind of have to ba- you kind of have to decide you're either gonna be aggressive or you're gonna play field position early on in the game it sometimes it feels like coaches kind of decide halfway through and I get sometimes injuries play into this but it feels like sometimes coaches decide halfway through a game like oh this is backfiring I got to go back to the the way I used to do things versus the analytics when it's really like it feels like you have to kind of make a conscious decision early on based on maybe the situation that you're in versus the opponent the matchups you like if you're going to be uber aggressive on fourth downs uh, and on uh, going for more points versus field goals versus uh, playing it safer and playing field position. I just feel like sometimes the analytics dictate. But if you're going with analytics, I think you have to go with that the whole way through versus kind of going back and forth in the game. But But in this case, Baltimore kind of breaks from that because they do kick the field goal late. The field goal only puts them up five, uh, and I'm willing to bet that almost all the analytics say you go for it on fourth downs. So, you know, but they were also fine playing for the field goal earlier as well. I think, I think in this game against a Bucks team that has ha- had problems on offense, I think they knew that they had to score over twenty, but they didn't have to score over 30 like they went for it in that Buffalo game. But I, I think that Buffalo offense scares you a little more. And so you're going for more points. I think in this Bucks game, you have to go for, I think some analytics people would say you have to go through it throughout the entire season. And I don't know if based on situation, you can go be aggressive that backfired for the chargers the other year where they were aggressive all the time and ended up costing them games. But I think that if you're the Ravens, I think you're kind of gaming it out where you're being aggressive and playing the analytics one game when you know one team is going to score a ton of points and push the ball down the field and be aggressive and against the bucks you say you know what our defense can kind of set in brady doesn't want to get hit he's gonna uh bail on some uh, more plays than josh allen if we get uh 24 points we'll probably be good so let's kick some field goals here so so here's how i feel about that i think if i was on the other team and and harbaugh keeps waffling back and forth or even not waffling and just making dumb decisions i'm sorry some of these decisions are just outright dumb when you're within 10 yards of the end zone and it's fourth down you kick the field goal you kick the field goal i don't understand especially early in a game if you're going to keep just leaving points on the field if i'm on the other team every time he does it i'm going to just cheer and hype my team up and be like there you go he's leaving points on the field for you he is begging you to beat him go beat him and eventually, that that it does backfire. Baltimore's struggling. I know they're five and three, but on those in those three losses, Amazon put up a crazy stat. In those three losses, they were they were behind for a minute and twenty seven seconds for all three losses combined. Don't you tell? Doesn't that tell you that you're leaving points on the field? I mean, I would have to go through all those losses, though, right? Because in some cases, I think it would. In some cases, maybe they get too cute with the analytics. But in, in other cases, like, 
don't know, in that you think about the Ravens-Miami game where guys are running up and down the field and all of a sudden they have blown a lead. Like Some of that maybe it's like, okay, maybe we're playing too aggressive. Maybe you need to just grab some points here or there. But also maybe it's just that Waddle and Tyreek Hill are really, really fast and having to cover them. What was it? I think the, the stat was is that it was like, 6,000 feet or something like that as far as how many routes uh, how many feet every single route that both those ran covered and so those cornerbacks were sprinting for over a mile for an entire game. I mean maybe but I I would feel like more than that it's if they go back and see a bunch of missed or if they like I'm pulling I'm trying to pull up the Miami game if they went for fourth downs if they have like four fourth downs then then yeah I kind of feel like they probably should have kicked some field goals. And, and again, hindsight is, is twenty twenty. but I think the, in the bigger thing is that people are going to say, if you're going to go with analytics, you got to be aggressive the entire season. But I don't know if that necessarily works game in and game out. Like if you're in a game and the analytics is telling you to go for it, but you have a left tackle who's had his butt handed to him every single snap for the first half and he's not in the right headspace and you realize that your running back is playing, but he's dinged up more than uh, it lets on in the, the injury report at halftime. And so he's not picking up that blitz, right. And you just need to grab some points as opposed to, to going for it in this situation. Maybe you go for it, or maybe it's like I said, against an opponent, maybe you're feeling like we can hit this certain point mark and we're going to be just fine. Our defense can really dig in because they're not handling pass rush that well. And our pressure rate is really good against them. I think sometimes you can let analytics take over too much and not let the situation also tell you what the right move is. And sometimes you can let the situation dictate too much. And all of a sudden, like remember that Cardinals, what was it? Three years ago, the Cardinals game where the Cardinals kicked field goals four times inside the, the 10 yard line. And it's like, okay, what are we doing here? If we're lining up for a field goal again inside the 10. Uh, and so I think it's just a healthy dose of both. And, Sometimes it can get in their head. Sometimes it looks a little funky, but I think that's kind of the push and pull that head coaches deal with. I think Harbaugh honestly deals with that back and forth better than most coaches and his willingness to kind of like when Lamar is feeling it and wants to go for it, he's going to, he's going to go for it on fourth down. Uh, I think it's, I, I think it's still, I think all that analytics stuff, I think, it's still being figured out how to apply it the very best way, game in and game out. I, I, I think, I mean, yes, you're right. Like if you're if you're uh, Arizona and you're over four in the red zone for touchdowns, you have questions to ask. But you still, but points still matter. Getting twelve points is better than getting zero points and going for it four times on fourth down and not getting it. So looking at that Baltimore game. Their fourth down efficiency is one for three, okay? Now, in the red zone, they're two for three. So, if they got two touchdowns out of the red zone trips and they left one on the board, that probably means one of those fourth downs they went for a touchdown when they should have gotten the the field goal. Also, with these fourth down efficiencies, if they're going for fourth downs, I'm assuming they're on their half of the field at least. Uh, They lost by four points. So, if those two fourth downs that they missed were field goals, that's six points. If all three fourth downs are field goals, that's nine points. So to me, I, I I guess my problem is all of a sudden we're undervaluing points. This isn't like Golden State where 
the three-point shot is worth more, therefore do it. This feels like the Lakers, who are still shooting threes, but they don't have anyone on their team equipped to do it, and therefore they're losing games that are 0-4, 0-5, or whatever they are now. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess. I, I understand that you don't want to devalue points altogether, especially when it's pretty hard to get points in general in the NFL. But I do like when teams are pressing a, a little more and, and pushing for, for something. And uh, and so, and, and again, it, it, really, it really is weighing the analytics and what that's telling you versus the situation and what the guys on the field are telling you. And, and sometimes coaches still mess that up for sure. But I think if you're being aggressive, uh, especially in that, like you go to that Miami Ravens game when uh, things are flying around that second half and you're kind of going for it because you feel like this hurricane of a Miami team is all of a sudden on your pressing up against the back of your neck. I can totally understand wanting to grab a touchdown versus a field goal and feeling like, okay, well, at least we're going to have to make them drive the length of the field in this heat. Uh, I, I don't know. But, hey, you know what? That's a good conversation about analytics, but people want to hear about the Texans. They're playing the Titans. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, do it. let's, let's do get it. into some of that game. Before we do that, Corey, let's hear from some sponsors. All right. Um, it's never a good idea to drink and drive, but what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs, someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction in the lab learning the sciences used in a DWI case. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist, because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asen Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. Or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. All right, let me tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene, Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team-building exercises, geek-themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, cosplay parties, and more. Call Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle. Are you in yet? All right, back to you, so, Colt. So we have a, a, a short week here, a little bit of a homestand. You have Sunday, the Tennessee Titans, and then on Thursday, you have the only team, to this point, the only team that is still flawless, the Philadelphia Eagles. Coming off of a butt-kicking against the Raiders, you have the Texans coming to town, and this is a, or excuse me, the Titans coming to town. This is a weird game. The Titans aren't super good at really anything. There's a couple of statistical categories that they're they're good in, but it's it's very it's very niche categories. They're not like great offensively at running the ball, despite having uh, Derrick Henry. It's a weird it's a weird team that they're playing. Corey, what do you make of this matchup? (laughs) Um, This is a complicated matchup because Tennessee is going to play us tough. They're going to play us tight. It's always been like 
uh, a heavyweight fight between these two teams because of the rivalry. Um, the history, there's so much history between these two franchises that there's never a time when either one of these franchises wants the other one to look good. Uh, there was, uh, during the Vince Young era, the first time he and the, uh, him and the, I just almost called him the Oilers, him and the Titans came down here to Houston and played. It was a close game. It gets to overtime, I believe, and he he runs like a 25-yard game-winning touchdown quarterback sneak, basically. Um, and as he spikes the ball against the back of the wall, he screams that this is his effing house and that we should have drafted him. So that's the kind of hurt feelings that go into the Texans-Titans rivalry. I, this, you're right. The Titans aren't having the year they thought they were going to have. I actually, coming into this season, I thought they were probably the best team in this in this division. They are still, but it doesn't seem to matter. We're a pretty bad division. I thought they were better than what they're playing like. So I'm a little surprised at kind of how it all looks. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I'm game, not expecting sure. any fireworks in this game at all. I, I will say... As far as this offense, it's kind of weird. This offense is not – it's very mediocre in every – mediocre to bad in every category. So, uh, as far as passing, the worst team passing. As far as running, very middle of the road uh, for their, their running game. But their red zone numbers are – Kind of crazy. This team, despite being, again, literally the second worst passing team for yards, very middle of the road running, 80% in the red zone, 80% conversion rate in the red zone. So 80% of the time when they get in the red zone, they're scoring a touchdown. So this team, if you let them, if you let them in to the 20, they're going to come away, it seems, with, with points. And that's one of the things where you look at, just the in general stats and they seem like a bad team, but they do have these weird numbers where maybe you think they could, they could win this game just because uh, all of a sudden there's maybe a turnover or maybe they have a couple of nice drives and they really have high efficiency in the red zone. They're a really good run defense, which is a bummer for the Texans because the running game is the only part of their offense that works. So maybe this is a really rough game for Damian Pierce. And it's just, it feels like the stuff that the Texans do well, they're the best at. Like the Texans have a really good red zone defense, but the offense for the Tennessee Titans is really good in the red zone. The Texans have a really good running game. The run defense for the t Titans is really good. So it just feels like this is a horrible matchup for the Texans. It, it it always is though. Like it doesn't matter yeah. how these two teams line up the rest of the year. When they play Tennessee, it's always it's always this way. These are two games a year that are just these slobber knocker, gross. I mean, even in the Matt Schaub era, uh, these were games that were just you always were like, Oh, come on. As a matter of fact, Matt Schaub's injury, the one that basically ruined the two good seasons we had his Liz Frank injury was from playing the Titans when they had the, uh, uh, I can't think of his name. He was the Albert Hainsworth, Albert Hainsworth, the, the nose tackle who got a hundred million dollars. Oh yeah. I remember him. Yeah. 
he got uh he dragged down Matt Schaub, but was like on his foot as he dragged him down. And a Liz Frank is a twisting bone injury inside the foot, so they basically have to rebuild the foot with pins. And you're out. I mean, you don't the foot doesn't touch the ground for four months, and then you basically start over from there. So imagine having it's not like Matt Schaub was the most athletic guy anyway. Imagine having to start over and then trying to get back to an NFL level of competition when you're Matt Schaub. Uh, so. Yeah, the Tennessee rivalry is is always a brutal rivalry for us. I do I do want to comment on something though that that really the only Texans headline this week, uh, Grugier Hill leaving the asking to be released because he's going to give up some playing time to Christian Harris. I'm really kind of annoyed at that. <laughs> I mean, these guys are pretty competitive. Like, where is he going to go? <laughs> but where is he going to go? Is he going to play in the Canadian League and start all the downs? Like I don't. We're not a good team. Our defense isn't rated very well. Does he think he's the guy with value on this defense? Like, I don't understand the process. He's not going to start somewhere else unless there's some injury that he's filling in for. You know what I mean? Like, Do you think he did it as kind of like a, like he was like, if I pull this card, there's no way they go through with it. And then the team was like, all right. And he was like, oh. <laughs> uh. I hope not, because if there's one thing in the NFL that is crystal clear, is that if a player asks for a release, the NFL will give it to him. I mean, I can't think of a single time a player has been like, okay, well, just cut me then. And the team was like, whoa, whoa, let's talk it out, buddy. Uh, there have been times they're like, I want to get traded. And then they're like, hey, let's talk it out. Like, even this offseason, Debo uh, Samuels for the 49ers was like, hey, I want to get traded because you guys don't value me enough. And they're like, how can we give you more money to make you happy again? But if he just said, release me, well, they would have done it in a heartbeat. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Yeah, that's that's weird vibes going into into the week for sure. Uh, I just I his his reps went down. There were uh, there was an article posting the numbers. He's like I think he's second or third in in tackles for the defense. Uh, but all of a sudden this week with Christian Harris healthy, last week he only played about thirty percent of the snaps, and that hurt his feelings. Does he think these younger guys aren't there to start? Like, what does he think is going on on this team? Well, that's the other thing, too, is that, like, not even the young guys, just in general, like, it should be kind of apparent that all the roster spots are up for grabs, and you've just got to go out and, like, take jobs. And you can't get your feelings. And first of all, it's the league. It's the NFL. You can't get your feelings hurt if someone takes your spot. 
that is a weird a weird position to put your especially on this team to put your foot down in that spot is very strange especially halfway through the year like there's nowhere he's i don't don't, that's my thing like where is he supposed to go right now where he's going to get more than 30 percent of the snaps i i have no earthly idea this was this was done out of pride and it was foolish and it was stupid i honestly as i'm reading more and more into it i am just like who who gives this man advice His yeah. people did not get a hold of him in time. Yeah, it was a weird, it's a very weird move. Uh, but as far as as far as this Tennessee Titans game is concerned, how worried are you that Derrick Henry is just gonna? This is gonna be kind of the bounce back game for Derrick Henry after a weird after a weird season for him. I, I, honestly, I'm not. I think he might have 70 to 100 yards somewhere in that range, but I don't think it's gonna matter in the big like. When the season's said and done on Derrick Henry, I think this is where you see him start to really struggle. This is the second or third time he's had a year where he started off rough, but the other two times he was able to turn it on. I don't think you can keep doing that. I think it's a mentality thing, but also I think it's a body thing, and I think it's just harder now. I think he's, what, 27, 28? The first couple times he was 22, 23. It's a little bit easier to be like, okay, just – Hulk up and go out there and run hard. That's a little bit harder to do at twenty-seven, twenty-eight. I mean, that's fair. the The problem is, is that it feels like anybody can kind of get their bounce back game against this this run but that's defense. Why, that's why I don't think it's a bounce back game. I think he might have better numbers than he does maybe some other games. But for the next three games after it, he's not going to run for another hundred and fifty each game or something like. He might have seventy to hundred yards here. He really might. But it's only because we don't tackle people and we don't stop the run. But it doesn't mean that next week he's going to go off for 125 and re-restart it, the Derrick Henry's thing. No, I think next week he'll go back to getting 40 yards a game. Uh, also, he doesn't hit the outside like the other guys do. Up the middle, we do a better job stopping the run. It's the outside where we are grossly vulnerable. No, he's going to... But I mean, that's kind of what Jacobs did last week, though. Is just I, well, I get he, that he bounced it. He he bounced yeah, it. A he fair bounced amount, a lot of them he, outside. He also ground. He also just ground through those first two quarters to really yeah. break loose in the second half. But but if but those first two quarters, we were even with them. So like, I'm fine with if Derrick Henry wants to do that, where he's getting three or four yards and we're trading possessions and the game is even. Great, fine. It was the second I think that's half him when, setting himself up for a big second half, though. That's kind of the Derrick Henry staple. Is he's just gonna kind of smash you up in the first half so that he can really break loose, and now, now you're throwing arm tackles because you've had to tackle Derrick Henry for a half of football. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was our problem. I think our problem with Josh Jacobs was the second half. He just went. I mean, they ran tosses and pitches. They were literally targeting the outsides in the second half, and I do think it was. Again, I don't like him that much. I don't think Josh McDaniels is all that great of a head coach, but I do think when they when they got in the locker room, somebody pointed out to him, like, hey, man, they're really vulnerable on the outside and you keep running up the middle. How about you actually try running to the outside? Because they made a really concerted effort to start running to the outside, and he was busting off 12- and 14-yard runs to the right and the left. Um, you don't think now, anybody's a good head coach. Uh, no, there are tons I think are good. You I think don't Vrabel, think anybody's a good I, head coach. I think, I think Mike Vrabel's a great head coach. Uh, <laughs> I watched him go toe-to-toe with Bill Belichick a couple times, and I really like him. 
I, I hate that he left the Texans. I think Frank Reich was a good head coach. I think he overstayed his welcome because I don't think you can preach character and grit and fight for every inch and, and it, it all is going to work out in the end when it never works out in the end. Like, the fact that they didn't get any success those first three years, it kind of means these guys are over it. Because now you have draft classes that have been there two and three years listening to them say the same crap over and over and over again, and they don't get anywhere. What's the uh, what's the key matchup you're looking for in this game? What it stands be, out? It is going to be the, how the linebackers handle Derrick Henry. That is going to be the key to this for sure. If Derrick Henry mm-hmm. does go off, and I mean old school Derrick Henry, 125 to 150, somewhere in that range, then we probably lose this game by like 14 points. It's going to be – this is going to be a real interesting game for Davis Mills, I think, because, again, the Tennessee Titans defense in rushing yards allowed, second in the NFL behind only the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but they're every single passing statistic, you look at yard passing yards allowed, you look at uh, quarterback pressures – uh, quarterback uh, knockdown per pass attempt rate, all of the statistics that you would uh, correlate with with passing and with attacking the quarterback and defending against the pass, those are all very, very mediocre to bottom half of the league. And so this is a game where you're not going to be able to rely on Damian Pierce very much. You would, you would think, based on the statistics and how this defense plays, you're not going to be able to re- rely on the running game. But I think there's going to be some stuff open in the passing attack. And can, can Davis Mills take advantage of that? I think we're going to learn a little bit about him. Oof. And uh, I'm not looking forward to that class. And, I'll tell you that. Cause I don't, I don't think, I think you're right. I think we'll know at the end of this game, if Davis Mills is the guy or not, because this is a game where we're going to say, for us to be successful, Davis Mills will have to throw twenty-five to thirty-five times, and and it and it's a game where it's not against a defense where it's not like you have to throw twenty-five times, but it's also against in the second half of this game you're gonna have to throw twenty-five times to try and take it away, but it's also not against the Broncos secondary, right? It's against uh, a secondary that is very uh, susceptible. To letting up yards. This, and this is the most so level if he doesn't, playing field he's going to get all year to prove it. A hundred percent. He's got to grab this game by the horns. Right. I, I do agree with that. I think you're a hundred percent right about that. This this is the this is probably. I mean, I'm looking. He's got. We've got the Eagles. We got the Giants. The Commanders have a fairly beatable secondary. Um. And then we play Tennessee Jaguars Colts again. So, in the short term, this is the most beatable secondary he's going to play for a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. The Dolphins is probably, after the Commanders, they play the Dolphins. The Dolphins has a sneaky, susceptible secondary right now, but they've also had a lot of injuries. injuries. And then the Browns, Uh, that'll be the the, the Sean Watson return game. So, everything goes out the window. There's no telling how it's going to go. Then we go to the Cowboys. Exactly. The Cowboys have a good defense. I don't like saying that, but they do. Uh, the Chiefs. They do. The Chiefs can play defense. Then you get the, ty- the Titans again, and then Jaguars, and then the Colts, yep. and then it's all over. So, yeah, this is really our last chance to see him 
against the easiest passing defense he's going to see all year. This is also playing off of our Wednesday show. Uh-oh. This is kind of also the uh, – this might be the time that you trade high. You you sell high on Cooks. If Mills has a great game, Cooks oh. goes off for like 115 <laughs> yards, trade. and then you trade him right away after the game. Just saying. Just saying. That would be interesting. I don't know – what is – so like the league week starts on a Wednesdays, right? So that means it will start on what, November 3rd? So is that the trade deadline then? Uh, the trade deadline is November first. Could they trade him on a Monday? It can't be. Mo- is it Monday? That would. No, the November first is a a Tuesday. Oh, you're right. You're right. It is. Yeah, November first is a Tuesday. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, well then. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because the league calendar. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, because if you're on a team Wednesday. You're you're locked for the whole week, pay pay wise. So yeah, that makes sense. Tuesday would be the start of a brand new week. So trades that haven't happened by then don't happen. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, in that case, absolutely, you dump them Sunday night somewhere. Just saying, it's it, it's line it, it's lining up potentially <laughs> potentially the. The writing is on the wall. Okay. It's in it's in a dry erase marker though. So, it's not in it's not in Sharpie. So if you're the general manager of the Houston Texans and the game is going on, who are you talking to on the phone in the fourth quarter if Brandon Cooks has eight catches for like one ten, one fifteen? The Giants. They just shipped Kadarius Tony. They did but they got two picks out of it. I don't know that I think that they're going to enjoy their success, but they are still planning for the future. That's what that tells me. I would say the Giants and I would say the Packers. Who who was the second team? Packers. Yeah, I think the Packers. I think the Packers is the most obvious to me. Um Yeah, I think I think I called the Packers up. The Ravens apparently have brought Deshaun Jackson off the street and next week are planning on starting him. So maybe you call the Ravens. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I mean people Bateman didn't put, come back in that game tonight. Well, and he they showed him on the sidelines in in civilian clothes and they were talking about him earlier in the Amazon broadcast where they were saying that they signed him to the practice squad last week. He's already learned most of the plays and they were trying to get him ready for this Thursday night game, but it just wasn't enough time. But it means he'll have 10 days before the next game, so he'll be ready in time. Yeah, that could be potentially a candidate then, too. Just talking about their wide receiver depth, depending on how injured Bateman Well, and is. also, they uh, they need they just need guys who can catch the ball because Mark— And Andrews. Andrews that's come right. Back Mark either, Andrews left with a shoulder injury. And once he left, by the way, the wind came out of Lamar Jackson's sails so hard. Now, it— he, he did rally late in the third quarter, early in the fourth, and they scored those two touchdowns. But after Mark Andrews gets hurt on, like, the fifth play in the game or something crazy like that, after he comes out, that whole first half, Baltimore had a lot of trouble converting after that. Another reason I was surprised they didn't kick the field goal because they were having so much trouble moving the ball that when they finally did get to the red zone, they were like, ah, we'll just take the point. 
Yeah, yeah, could be a could be a sell high day potentially for for Cooks. Uh, let's get to some picks. Uh, before we do that though, Corey, let's hear from a couple more Alrighty. sponsors. Uh, it's time to trade in your face masks for masks. Load up the hoppers and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered, literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great, low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. So go to their website, get 5% off by using the code BATTLEREDSPLAT. Check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. Also, The Adventure Begins wants you to know about Adventure Begins Stadium, right there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130 in Conroe, Texas, at the Marcel Town Center. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a great family-friendly place. It's where Nico and I get all of our nerd stuff done. We go in there, buy our comic books, buy our uh, competitive card games and all that different stuff. But on the second story, they've got something called The Adventure Begins Stadium. And right there, they sell sports memorabilia from cards and signed items and all kinds of other great stuff. They've got all the great brands like Panini and Upper Deck. If you get up there, you're going to have a great time just checking out. It's a great room full of items and, and opportunities for you to buy some great stuff. And on top of that, the way these cards are going nowadays, you buy yourself a $20 pack of cards, and you might pull one of those one-of-one one super rare signed jersey-worn things that are worth $30,000. So I don't know why you're not going down to the Adventure Begins Stadium and trying to buy some cards today. So, according to Caesars Sportsbook, we have the Houston Texans. They're a home dog, plus two and a half. Over-under is 40 and a half points. That, that over-under is low. <laughs> it is embarrassing low. They're looking at these two teams like, oh man. is this going to be one of those Amazon field goal specials? You know... I would agree with you, but I feel like there's going to be a turnover in the red zone and a pick wow. six. Wow. Wow. Just prognosticating I, big things. Okay. All right. I feel like this is a sneaky over game, honestly. Well, with 40 and a half, uh, it's not very sneaky. <laughs> I mean, maybe not. I feel like people are expecting like a 13-10 No, game. they probably are, but 40-and-a-half is a very gettable over. I mean, it, all it takes is one team to have a good day and they're going to hit the, the overall hit. Um, That's what I'm saying, though. I think the expectations are super low. I think – is there a chance this is a, a, t a game that ends up on red zone more than people think? <laughs> Where it's like, oh, my gosh, Derrick Henry is going for his third touchdown. Wow. I noticed you didn't go Damian Pierce there. So you're saying there's no way the Texans win. Like, um, By the way. Well, maybe well, flip around then. Flip around then. It's like, oh, my goodness. Nico Collins just had his second touchdown yeah. of the day. Did you start him All on right. fantasy? Yeah, you're right. Okay. Here's, this, here's the stat. Both teams are winning against the spread. The Titans are 4-2. and two, The Texans are 3-2-1 and one against the spread. So who messes it? Yeah, up? I mean this is a this is a weird one. I don't I I I never understand though. No, that's not true. I was gonna say I never understand how someone could be a hometown dog, but I mean I really do. Like we're a bad team. Um, 
Yeah, they're bad. They should not be favored. I don't know. They're still at home. I mean, I don't think Tennessee is six points better no, than them. No, 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 no. They Do you think Tennessee is six points better than the Texans? Where are you going with neutral field? Neutral field, they're saying they're five points That's what I'm better. saying. I don't think they are. I, I'm i pretty comfortable with them being five points better Oof. than the Texans. Oof. I don't <laughs> I just – I don't know. I can't buy it. I don't – they're not doing – like, they're not doing anything this year. Okay, like, the comparisons on quarterback. Tannehill and Mills, they both have – actually, Mills has more yards. Tannehill is 1,097. Mills has 1,350. Uh, Tannehill has six touchdowns, three picks. Mills has seven touchdowns, five picks. Like, they're the same. I don't I don't know. I don't know. These teams aren't that different, and that's the problem. They're not super different, but if I'm banking on one team, but one team is still got Derek Henry. One team Henry, is four and two, and is... we're one and four. <laughs> like, exactly, yeah. and one team is really good at stopping the run. Really, really good at stopping the run. Is there something that the Texans are exceptional at? Um, like you could say their red zone defense, but the Titans are exceptional for red zone offense, so that cancels each other out. Does it? Because one of them has to still. It still has one of them still has to win that matchup. Well, then the pressure is on. I get everything compresses in the red zone, but the offense still all the, the rules and everything like that are still slanted towards the sure. offense. So if you're going to have a tie goes to the runner situation, just the way that the off, the rules are built, it goes to the offense. No, I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, I suspect the reason they're so good in the red zone is because Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry when it matters. You know, I mean, maybe he's not going to run for 150 yards, but he could definitely get you seven when he needs to. Um, I, but, like, even their top receiver, Woods, 20 catches, 230 yards, one touchdown. Our top receiver, Nico Collins, 18 catches, 305 yards. Like, I don't know. They're so they're so realistically – I know that the records are different, and I think that's what's appealing to sports books. But realistically, I don't think these teams are that different. I, I think that this team is more disciplined in crunch time, though. Like, you saw the Texans kind of wither in that fourth. They've withered in fourth quarters before. They just did it last week against the Raiders. I think that this, if it's a, a really tight game down the stretch, the Titans are the ones that are going to are going to find a way to win. Uh, and it might be, and, and that might have a lot to do with that Mike Vrabel has done a good job of instilling some grit and some character into these guys. But, I mean, their, their wins, you know what it really it is? Is their wins, they're just on the other side of those close games where we're on the wrong side of them. You know, 21-17 against Washington, 24-17 against the Colts, 19-10 against the Colts, 24-22 against the Raiders. You know, we were right there with the Raiders all the way up until we, we gave them two in a row. You know what I mean? Like, here's the team stats. This is crazy to me, too. Like, we're just so evenly matched. These teams aren't that different. Points per game. The Titans have 19.2. We're at 17.7. Points allowed per game. They're at 21.3. We're at 22.8. So right there, they're allowing more than they're – you know what I mean? Like, we're not different. Um, totally. And that's what I'm saying is that the Titans are very mediocre in a lot of different yeah. categories. But at the same time, the difference between a good team and a bad team is one team is going to sit there all season long and say, oh, my gosh, we were two plays away, and the other team is going to make the two plays. You know, you know what I'm what? saying? You just convinced me. You just convinced me with that lane speech, Colt. <laughs> I'm taking the Texans. 
taking the Texans in the money line. I'm taking them to Texas. I'm taking the Texans to win outright. You keep your two and a half points. The Texans are winning this game. <laughs> Last time you said that, folks, they lost by 18. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's true. That was the Chargers. That's true. Oh, no, that was the Raiders. <laughs> no, the Raiders. that was the, yeah. the Raiders. I, I just, man, they really. You know what? I they appreciate, really should have won I that appreciate game, the confidence. They should have won that game. The Raiders game was so frustrating because of. <laughs> I was really happy with the fact that we were going up and down the field with those guys and scoring points. And we were doing so good. And then that Kenyon Green false start. And then, like, after that one mistake, they just mentally collapsed. Give me uh, give me the over and give me minus two and a half on the Titans. Okay, I'll, I'll take the under still because all of the averages on this game, points for and points allowed, scream <laughs> under. So I'm going to take the under, but I'm going to take the Texans to win. And I don't want your two and a half. Taking the money line. All right. All right. He's taking money line in the under. I'm taking Titans minus two and a half in the over. Nico, what you got for us? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to give this one to the Titans. I think that them having one of the better run defenses really stops our one and only good offensive tools. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So I don't think I think this is going to be an under game. I don't think that I don't I don't really have faith in the Titans scoring all that much, but uh, I am going to give it to them. I think that they're going to they're going to unfortunately stop us from scoring anything, and then they're going to like cobble together like maybe two plays. <laughs> the ugly slobber knocker. It's going to be. It always is. It always be 13-10 is. Thirteen ten, and we're going to steal a touchdown towards the end, and we're going to win it. The under hits, and Corey's right again. <laughs> Corey, mad genius, future predictor. I mean, Nico, I how many you, times do I, I do this on Nerd Thug Radio where I correctly predict the future? I mean, I'm not saying it's uncanny. It's not uncanny, but, like, doesn't make it feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't really, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really want us to win. Like, these wins aren't going to help us. It doesn't matter. We're not going to make I'm just, I just want more wins than what people were expecting of us, so I need us to win at least two more games. That's fair. That's fair. All right, there you have it. We've got uh, a couple under bets and over bet, and we've got two on the Titans, one on the Texans. Money line. That's right. Texans, Texans to win. For the picks. <laughs> all right, well, you know what? Hey, win or lose, I know that we're all going to enjoy our weekend, and I know for a fact I'll be back here Sunday night getting you the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest installment make sure you're subscribing wherever you find your podcast and also going and checking out the battle red blog that's it for us he's Corey dlg producer nico i'm colt molesky thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of battle red radio <laughs>